Welcome back to the Work Bold Podcast, where we chat with the leaders in commercial real estate to answer all questions of space as a service. This podcast is for anyone involved in commercial real estate in any way. If you're an investor, a fund manager, developer, property manager, agent, or broker, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Kayla Parker, and in this episode, I travel to Sofia, Bulgaria to chat with space as a service veteran, Borislava Svetkova, about her experience with global corporates. Kidding, of course, about the travel. We connected virtually this time. The Borislava and I regularly catch up when she's in London, and I was lucky enough to tour two of her locations at Sofia in 2016. But today in this chat, we learn why demand from global corporates for space as a service has grown in recent years and policies for transitioning back into the office after lockdown. We talk about hybrid spaces, how a Netflix model supports flexible working, and why brand matters when it comes to building valuations. As always, if you have any questions or feedback on this episode or topics you won't cover, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Caleb underscore Parker or email podcast at workbold.co. If you're not ready to lean into the future, this episode might make you a little uncomfortable. Buckle up. Welcome back to the Work Bold Podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Parker, and today I'll be joined by Borislava Svetkova, flexible workspace expert and business consultant who recently helped launch a really cool co-working brand called This Way in Sofia, Bulgaria. We've become friends over the years, so you'll hear me call her Bori throughout this episode. Bori started in the space-as-a-service world in 2004 with premium-serviced office brand, the Executive Center, based in Hong Kong. She was general manager for their operation in Sofia. In 2008, she became the group general manager at Sterling Serviced Offices, founded by British entrepreneur Giles Blanchard, with expansions in Istanbul, Turkey, and Sofia, Bulgaria, before launching their This Way brand this year. While still supporting the Sterling brand and their global corporate customers, she's now focused on their expansion plans for this way around Europe. But let me tell you something personal about Bori that sort of kicked off our friendship several years ago. Now, y'all know I'm from Savannah, Georgia, and the United States. Turns out that Bori lived less than an hour away from my hometown in Hilton Head, South Carolina, for several years after graduating from Clemson University. What's more, Bori, a native Bulgarian, was an all-American NCAA athlete during her years at Clemson. Now, I might have played college football briefly, but I definitely was no all-American. Bori, welcome to the Work Bowl podcast. Hey, Caleb. Good to be here. Thanks for the invite. Uh, it's great to have you here. We've been talking about you coming onto the podcast for a few months. I'm glad we're finally able to make it happen. Me too. <laughs> Um, well, I want to dive into the first question, um, and this is a, you know, really, really, to me, this is important because um, it's not just the global pandemic that's been driving space as a service, even though almost overnight it feels like we've gotten rocket boosters. But prior to COVID, there was a trend of global corporate shifting to space as a service. Uh, what was driving this trend? Yeah, good question. Well, various reasons. Uh, serviced office has been around for many, many decades. So obviously the general benefits of flexibility, agility, one contract, one invoice, turnkey solutions is a plus. And once you start using a flexible workspace, you tend to realize more and more this is a very good solution for your company. And especially for new companies or companies entering new markets, not knowing how how quickly they end, it's more or less free to start in a flexible workspace and expand gradually. We've seen clients who move into traditional space, fit it out, 
which takes a lot of time and investment, and then they expand so quickly, they have to move to a new location and do everything again. But what is really different, I think, it relates to the experience in the workspace and the talent retention. Many brands, including ours <laughs> and Bolt and FlexSpace operators, focus on their own way of constantly de delivering a great experience to the clients. Also the notion of community, fun office culture, the ability to network, collaborate, accent on initiative, wellness uh, programs. This is more and more appealing to companies who want to retain uh, talent. Uh, here we must point out, of course, uh, some requirements uh, that a flexible workspace must meet because uh, it's not just any flexible workspace that attracts corporate clients. Certainly, you have to provide a very high quality of fit-out, accent on uh, premium hospitality, top facilities management, nowadays uh, impeccable cleanliness and regular disinfection, security, quality of IT system, the aspect of sustainability. So th there is a lot of crucial things that is um, actually making some brands outstanding and they place great importance on this aspect. Well, I, I think I think that's a, it's a good point you bring up because you know certainly the features for selecting serviced offices has been around for quite some time, but, but you, you point out about talent acquisition and I think the, the experience that certain brands in the spaces of service world are, are providing have become an attraction for the talent that companies, the fast growing companies want to attract. And so why provide all that infrastructure yourself as a company when you can outsource that to an operator? We talk about cleanliness and sanitation and you know that that is something that you know maybe we should take for granted or we shouldn't take for granted. But in these corona times, obviously that's important. With these global corporates that, that you're working with, what are some of the policies you're seeing them roll out to transition back into the office? Well, certainly cleanliness and the management of the facilities has always been a priority for us. But now it's uh, uh, COVID and post-COVID, we are especially very vigilant and making sure that we not only meet the local authorities or the World Health Organization procedures and advice, but also coordinate, synchronize our internal uh, procedures with our clients. Large corporates have their playbooks, they have their strict rules, which apply multinationally. It doesn't matter which country you are. But some of the things we're noticing is, first of all, gradual returns. They're in phases, like some return phase one, 30 or 50 percent of staff. Phase two, we, know, we don't know when that would be. Some rotation schedules, working on shifts, different arrival times. Definitely more flexibility uh, for teams to work remote, remotely or from the office. Also, one aspect we feel very lucky, of course, in our locations, we have openable windows and terrace, which is very crucial uh, nowadays to ensure clean air circulation. These are also very important factors. In fact, we received an inquiry yesterday and one of the requirements was openable windows. <laughs> so... This is a luxury nowadays. And certainly cleaning protocols, temperature measuring, clean desk policy, disposal, uh, disposable utensils. These are among the most common requirements, apart from the physical distancing and, of course, the, the daily checklist. 
So I, I want to come back to the gradual returns into flexible working in, in a moment, but just in, in regards to these specific policies that these corporates are rolling out, that, that you, you talk about the, the, the windows being able to be open to get the air circulation, the, the requirements around cleaning and temperature uh, measurements and protocols, what should building operators be doing to support these policies for their customers? Yes, well, firstly, we personally work very closely with building management. Uh, we have asked that they send us all their procedures and implementing of various rules and vice versa, we send ours. What we see here, there is a strict uh, building procedure which implements elevator rules, placing of stickers, posting uh, in common areas and walls, various reminders, hand sanitizers, dispenser, of course, with regular cleaning. And the most important thing, I think, is communication between us sure. and building and so compliance, monitoring, ensuring that everything that's in paper is actually implemented. Boy, there's been a lot of talk about big companies not returning to the office. We've had you know, Facebook, Twitter, you know, some of the banks, the investment banks talking about going remote. In this podcast series this season, we've talked a lot about the contrast between working in an office and, and working remotely. And you just talked about some of the policies that these corporates are rolling out is having sort of a different arrival times, but also giving people the ability to work flexibly and, and work remotely. So, you know, what's your view on this whole home office, remote office versus working in, in the office itself? Yes. Well, during this uh, pandemic, it's it was necessary for the safety and health of all team members. So, but in regular times, when all of this is over, we'll have a different perspective on, generally speaking, home office, remote office and traditional office are the two opposites. But in between, we're all seeing that somehow flexible workspace alternatives are becoming sort of the golden middle and so for the companies who don't have the option for home office, clearly they have to work from their office. But for those who do have this option, I think it will be a continuous trend that there will be a flexibility. Mm -hmm. uh, home office cannot be a permanent solution and way forward. We need the interaction, the natural cycle of our daily routine is to get up, dress up, show up, go to work, meet people, collaborate, share some ideas. Enjoy a productive day among uh, other people and being part of a team and a community is essential. I was making an analogy to homeschooling, uh, thinking that kids cannot go on with homeschooling for much longer. Same thing with fitness centers, restaurants. We need to go out and do things once it's safe to do so. I recently uh, read an article by Liz Ellum at the GCUC, you know, Liz. Oh, yeah, um, juicy, yeah. <laughs> she started the article saying your home should be your heaven, not your workspace. <laughs> and also from health and safety perspective, uh, data security. Nowadays, we're hearing home office is not the perfect solution at all times. It's also not just about where you are, the desk, the chair, the Wi-Fi, but some of the companies now are analyzing their own office what it feels like and how to attract people to want to come back. We had a client the other day saying we can't wait to come back, which is uh, uh, creates a great feeling that people actually want to return to the office. So many companies are rethinking their office experience. 
more collaboration space, game rooms, cafe, lounge areas, because some offices, let's face it, are very boring and you have desks and chairs and Wi-Fi, but that's about it. Yeah, I was having a chat with with Annie Rinker, um, with Heinz, and she was talking about, and that was on, on one of our previous podcasts, she was talking about how they're designing spaces that people will choose to come to. Because if this, if the ability to work remotely stays post pandemic, if, if it is one of the things that we hold on to, then people will have a choice to work anywhere they want. And if they have a choice anywhere they want, then well, the workspace, the office, the office buildings need to be environments that they will choose to come to. Yeah, definitely. Yes, some, I mean, again, we can't generalize because flexible workspace is pretty generic. There are brands and unique flex space providers who really think of every little detail so that teams are not just safe and productive, but they feel pleasant and uh, super inspired. Well, it's like yours. I mean, I've, you know, in, in this way, you've got the, the superhero themed uh, <laughs> look and feel all throughout. And you guys just won the, were, were recognized for your design in Office Snapshots, right? Yeah. No, you've seen that. I it's did, yes. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you've got, a, you've got an amazing space. And it, I think, you know, for people in, in Sofia, certainly, you know, I haven't seen all the spaces in Sofia, but when I was there, you know, I saw... Sterling offices, but your design is it's brilliant and it's a place that people will choose to come to. Yeah, yeah, we we, we did it a little bit differently than Sterling. We wanted to kind of dis- be more distinguished uh, as a super contemporary co-working space, which offers mainly uh, private offices. But apart from uh, the feel and the experience in the office, you know, uh, the, the on-demand access, the events uh, and some initiatives also make people want to uh, be in the office so they don't miss some interesting things. So, yeah, for sure, office should be, workspace should be dynamic, vibrant, and uh, definitely have to feel excited to go to work. <laughs> A hundred percent. And I think this is the, the the key going back to the initial question about why, why now, you know, why, why is this shift towards space as a service, you know, come, come along when serviced offices have been around for ages. And I think that what you're saying is that there's certain brands like you, like this way, who have created these inspiring environments, but that that's, it's not just uh, four walls and, you know, a, a white box. It's, it's actually dynamic. Yeah. I shared an article recently in LinkedIn. It was from Wipos, I think, uh, uh, which found that 86% of millennials want the best of both worlds, have the choice to work remotely, but also have a fun office culture and inspiring workspace when they're there. And Jenny Foley from Workspace said, not just the millennials, everybody, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> this is true. I think, I think I've said this before that millennials get credit for, for shouting and, in, in, you know, being, some might say picky, but I think it's the fact that they're, they're shouting the loudest, but it's multi-generations. I think people from every, all ages and walks of life, you know, want environments that, that cater to them and they want that choice to choose. They want to be able to choose where they're, where they do their best work. So I know offline, we, you and I were having this chat about um, the shift uh, from, you know, in the, in the previous serviced office world where the fit outs were, you know, very cellularized. And then we moved into more of an open plan, more co-working. 
and and that was a you know sort of seemed to take off and but now with with coronavirus and the pandemic you know you started seeing a, sh a shift back to questions about more private offices versus being in an open plan area what do you think is going to be sort of the the, the long-term effect of this yeah well there have always been various definitions of or variations of flexible space. Uh, over time, I've heard it being called business center, executive offices, serviced offices, managed space. Later came the co-working term. So uh, some companies and corporates especially will always use just serviced office, meaning uh, private individual offices and the shared areas and the collaboration space or co-working uh, options would just be in addition when necessary to meet with uh, clients, with visitors, colleagues from abroad. And on the other side, there will always be clients such as freelancers, startups, smaller company who only choose uh, the co-working um, model as they don't necessarily require private offices or have lower budget or uh, noise confidentiality is not a concern. Mm -hmm. We... Sterling have always provided serviced offices, a uh, variety of private offices from one to 22 people, a various range of meeting rooms, reception and lounge areas, cafes. So many of our clients choose to work in individual offices, mainly probably because of the nature of the, their job, the industry and privacy, confidentiality and security are big factors. Mm. For sure. Co-working in its shape of open space, various, you know, dedicated or flex desks mm -hmm. are very popular and, and they have this great sense of community. Uh, but I consider it a totally different product within the flexible workspace. Fewer private offices uh, or some have no private offices at all. So the shift we were I'm referring to is basically that these type of spaces are now looking to see how they could separate either by separators or walls or rearrangement of their space in order to either ensure enough space or distancing or to meet the requirements of their existing client who no longer need to work of the share uh, need to work from the shared offices but want privacy and private individual offices mainly for safety reasons. So I'm not sure this is will be a trend forever, but at least until we all feel safe and COVID is way behind us. Okay, okay. So, so you're saying that you, you've seen sort of two types of customers traditionally, and it's the, the customer who, for, for privacy, security reasons, whatever it might be, they want that private office and still have access to the common areas. And you have the other customer category who they want the open plan, whether it be because they don't have the confidentiality um, requirements or they just want the community aspect of it. Yeah, exactly. From our perspective, the advantage we have, for example, is that we have many private offices, but at this way, what we try to, to do is create a hybrid model. So we have, let's say, 23,000 square feet area of which 15,000 square feet is individual private offices and 8,000 square feet is shared space. And it's a variety of uh, areas, co-working desks, meeting pods, phone booths, meeting rooms, the superhero ones, library areas, various lounge and cafe areas. So you know, clients can step out and work or meet 
or have a coffee and collaborate throughout the whole day, even though they have their private offices. So I think this is the perfect, the hybrid model now would be the super perfect solution that everyone will be demanding. So Bori, you talk about this hybrid work model and you were talking, you were mentioning the two types of customer categories, the, the customer who needs the private space and the customer who needs the sort of the shared office um, space. But isn't there, isn't there a third category, especially if we're moving to, to hybrid spaces, is there a hybrid work format where, you know, I, I believe that we could see as people get used to working remotely, they know they can't work remotely 100% of the time. They have to come in face-to-face, but they don't need to be face-to-face 100% of the time either. So is there sort of like this new customer category that might require some sort of Netflix-type solution where you, you can, or Spotify, I like to say, where you can you know tap in and out of the space as and when you need to? Actually, you're quite right. There is. <laughs> uh, and we're seeing it now more than ever. Because you're right, let's say a company uh, working from home at the moment, at some point the team needs to get together, inevitably. So you do need on-demand access. Remote, although remote work you know, doesn't mean nine to five, it means being result. If you're result-oriented, then you deliver productivity and you work on demand when the project is due or when you need to meet deadlines or when you want to create new ideas, you want to be able to drop in a flexible workspace that's inspiring or that's close to home or that has a brilliant coffee and be able to work when you need to. So having the choice uh, to work from a uh, flex space and we're seeing uh, that there will be a popularity of uh, multi-location access or access to flex space near your home or your fitness or your kid's school uh, because let's uh, Face it, saving time and being able to do more things in one day definitely helps you achieve a better work and life balance. So we, you know, obviously I mentioned Netflix and Spotify, but a good another good example is is Amazon Web Services. So I was having this chat on LinkedIn the other day, and we talk about software as a service is is you know, obviously we take it for granted these days, but you know, 10, 20 years ago. Companies would buy these big servers and put it and install them, but you don't have to anymore because you can spin up a new server in the cloud with with AWS with no problem. And that software as a service. So I think we apply that to space as a service, and being able to you know tap into that space as in when you need to, then that just makes sense. And so you can really you don't even need to have a permanent office or as big of an office presence as as you normally would in the past. Exactly. Yeah, when you asked about the third type of uh, client or you addressed such, I I actually have an example, a real example uh, of a company who used to be at a traditional offices and now they've switched to a serviced office. And part of their team who chose, prefers home office would actually have a co-working pass access so that at least once a week the team gets together and works together and they share some updates and ideas. So we also have companies who may never be a client uh, full-time. They have their buildings or, you know, huge offices. We have no capacity for them. However, uh, they consider some of the co-working spaces as a, as a part of the benefit package. So, 
instead of uh, someone working from home, they are looking to offer this uh, daily pass access, and uh, which is great because then our community would be expanding and more and more people will be able to experience this way or work this way, either temporarily or occasionally. <laughs> so for sure, there is a lot of motion in this direction nowadays. And I think that's a good point because, again, historic and commercial real estate, you only engage the people that used your building that were part of the employees of the lease that sat in your office every day and in, in your building every day. And by offering, a, well, I think you're saying is a, while you're offering a membership plan where people can access the space as and when they need to. So in, in your example, you talk about once a week, they come in for meetings, so they have access to use that space once a week. So it's more like a gym membership versus yeah. versus this long-term lease. Yeah. And so that that's good because for those people who are working um, remotely, the majority of the time, they're using your space as as sort of that third space that they need to, to go to when they need a, more of a professional environment. Yeah, and not just ours, uh, maybe uh, all over the world, this is a tendency. But I do have an example with us, so... I thought I would share it. <laughs> of course. And it's interesting you say all over the world because, you know, being able to access a network of spaces is important, I think, too. And and often when you're in a lease in, a, in one building, you don't have access to the entire portfolio of that land, of that landlord group or the commercial real estate company. You have access to the building that you have a lease in, whereas, you know, with space as a service, you have access to to, to all locations potentially very similar to, you know, hotel brands. And so I guess that brings me to my next question. Do you think, you know, going forward into the future, should every building have some sort of space as a service footprint to serve as a third space for people? Well, I'm not sure every building, but would be a huge plus for as many buildings as possible for various reasons. You made this analogy with the hotel, you know, uh, a great flex workspace operator uh, offers exceptional hospitality. So sometimes you choose your hotel or the chain wherever you travel, the same hotel chain because of the this exceptional service, quality, your pillow, the restaurant, maybe the pool, tennis court, spa. So it would be uh, the same for office buildings. Having such operator would uh, add tremendous value to the building and the building owner, as well as uh, to the experience of all the tenants. Yeah, I think uh, that's, and that's where, that's where brand becomes so valuable. So by having the right brand in a building, it makes the, build, the building attractive because people know what to expect. And I think, I think we're going to see, you know, we are seeing, and we'll continue seeing more and more buildings have branded operators come in to, to attract and retain the right uh, mix of, of customers in the building and to create new layers of service and new revenue lines as well. But considering that, you know, WeWork and Notel have been backing out of a lot of their leases lately, and we won't debate why they're doing that, but some landlords in the US and UK have launched their own space as a service offerings. Instead of leasing to, you know, these, these branded operators, they're gonna do it themselves, but others, are starting to partner with existing space as a service operators. And, and instead of doing a lease model, they're actually partnering. In your experience, what do you think is the right thing to do? In my view, 
because I've not dealt with many building owners other than where we are. In my opinion, everyone has uh, their expertise. We live in a world of shared economy, outsourcing services. So it's best to leave it to the experts <laughs> who have the know-how, the experience, the expertise, and also the network. It's always good to have uh, great people and successful companies as part of your clientele. So there are brands who know how to create this special workspace and the vibe that everyone wants and wants to come to the office. I'm afraid the generic brand or a building owner running such a space is not necessarily the most efficient way. Of course, everybody can do it, but uh, it takes time to learn. You can start a, a new business uh, at any time and thrive, but that does not happen overnight. So I've learned from the best, so I know how valuable that is. So from my perspective, uh, I can make an analogy like a restaurant. Uh, I know what a great restaurant looks, feels, tastes like, but that doesn't mean I can run properly a restaurant. Mm, it takes time to learn, yeah. And also when you talk about brand, brand, uh, brand is a... <laughs> such a valuable thing. I love brands. They're very significant. And brand loyalty is a very important factor here. Sticking to the same brand when they open to new locations, you go with them. <laughs> of course, you explore. I explore with new brands, whether it's restaurant shops, spas, airlines, hotels. Sure. But I believe in uh, brand loyalty, which is built through a uh, constant improvement, innovation, creativity. So I think uh, good brands are able yeah. to do that. And I would add to that consistency. Uh, and I think you, you know oh, what yeah, to expect. You know what to expect when, when, you're, when you're going to a brand. And we've made a lot of analogies here to the hotel, hotel industry. And I wrote a very quick and maybe punchy uh, LinkedIn post a couple of years ago about how the future of commercial real estate looks like the, the hotel industry today. And, you know, we talk about brands. If, if an asset owner wants to develop a hotel, they 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 don't go out and develop a generic hotel usually, they affiliate with a brand. And that's because that brand stands for something. It stands for value or it stands for quality or it stands for a certain experience and it attracts a certain customer persona. And so, and, and, and all that comes with its own economics depending on which one you choose. So I think the same can be said in our industry and I think we'll see more landlords partnering with the brands that, that fit the economics, the business plan, but also the experience they want to, to deliver. But to your point, going the generic route, in my opinion, is, is not a winning um, strategy. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll, I will move into the quickfire round now. And I'm just curious, you know, we talk about, you and I have talked about, you know, we, we know a lot of people in our industry who inspires you? This question has so many answers. Who inspires me? Uh, many things. People, many people. My children inspire me. But lately, you know, I've been thinking what and who really inspires me are young talent, talented people who make incredible things, make a world of difference, address important issues, save the planet, make an impact in society through their business, 
but as well from uh, through their behavior. Young startups, professionals, artists, designers who are bold, bold, innovative, well, well, well said, <laughs> <laughs> sustainable, and unique because you have to be unique in this world to actually stand out. And if I have to be more specific, within the last week or so, I read that there were three young Bulgarians who uh, were part engineers and a researcher who were part of the SpaceX historical project, the Crew Dragon. Now that is really inspiring and made me feel proud because they're from Bulgarian descent, of course. Oh, that's awesome. And I watched the launch, uh, made history, of course. And oh, yeah. um, how, how, how cool is it that more Bulgarians are making an impact on America like you did? <laughs> oh, that's so great. Thank you. You're so <laughs> kind. <laughs> Bori, what, um, with, come back to, to our industry, what podcast or websites do you consume to stay up to date on industry trends? Podcasts? Both yeah. only, of course. Uh, <laughs> Not uh, joking. I, I'm actually following you uh, regularly. Recently, uh, listened to you and Jonathan Weinbrand was a great uh, one. Uh, great. Yeah, recently I've been participating in many interesting webinars, but uh, from the podcast, definitely both regularly. Thank Websites you. I follow and read a lot uh, on all workspace. They're doing a fantastic job, ABCN. Mm. Thank you, Frank Cottle and the team. Shout out to Frank. <laughs> GCUC, Global Workspace Association, Coworking Europe, well, Coworking Insights, real estate companies, of course, our partners at Instant, Office Freedom. Locally, I follow a lot, uh, Amcham, Trending Topics. And of course, uh, through my friends at Global Coworking Club who inspire me and I learn a lot from them. Jenny Foley at Workspaces in Australia, Sergio Carpentieri at Executive Network in Italy, John Milado at Office Improvers, Frank Cottle, John Papp at Anchor Executive Center, Maike, EBC Amsterdam, oh, yeah, who you know, yeah. Crystal at Times More, Bob, oh, Eduardo Salsamenti, he just uh, posted on um, LinkedIn, he's celebrating 30 years of Glamour Business Centers in Barcelona. Now that is amazing. Um, amazing. Uh, these are, and other industry friends, of course, if I miss somebody, sorry, but uh, they're all so passionate about this industry. These people own or are running business centers and flexible workspace for so many decades, and we have so much to learn from them. I always look forward to seeing them at conferences. We keep in regular contact. And uh, actually, I look forward to seeing our global co-working club at our next meeting, hopefully in Sofia in September. Awesome. Well, I know the last time I was in Sofia, you showed me a good time and really love the, let me see if I say this right, chop, chop, chop what, salad, what was the salad called? Chopska <laughs> salata. salad is so good. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> The, the best tomatoes. Oh my gosh. So good. But this is why I like talking to you, Bori, because you're so tuned in to, to the, what's cutting edge in our industry and you're connected with so many people around the world. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, to be, to, to, for me, it's so valuable to know what's going on, not just in Bulgaria, but I have to know what's going on around the world. And uh, from any perspective, not just from the flexible workspace, but news, 
fashion, trends, all. <laughs> I'm a citizen of the world. <laughs> citizen of the world. Well, all right. So when we, I think we're, we're starting to get back to the point where we can start thinking about traveling in the, in the near future, hopefully. So I want to ask you where your favorite holiday destination is. I know why you're including this question because <laughs> you yourself have this wanderlust. Well, I do love to travel. That's why I ask every guest on this podcast because I'm trying to get some ideas. <laughs> How many countries have you been to? How many countries? I've been to 43 countries. But, but who's counting? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, you know, it's a tough question for me because if returning to the same place repeatedly means favorites, I would name probably Southern France. Oh, I love but the, the reason, <laughs> But the reason I ask you how many countries uh, you've been to is because I think I have not found my favorite place yet. I think I need to explore more to find out. <laughs> I, I love that. So your, your favorite place is the next one you're going to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Though I haven't been to for sure. Yeah, I mean, you have to go to different places. 43 countries is so many countries. It opens your horizon to new cultures, meeting new people, learning new things, tasting, tasting new kitchens. I mean, it's amazing. You can't do that if you go to the same place all, all over again. Yeah, I, I, I certainly like to return to, to, to places and, and, and I, I wish I could What's go. Your What's your favorite uh, destination? Oh, gosh, it's, it, it is a tough question. And I, I know I ask everybody this and some people are able to just spit it out. And, you know, I, I think for me, I, I like my, my favorite activity is to see views. So I like to go to the highest point anywhere I travel to and, and look out and see the view. And so I've seen a lot of great views, you know, when I, in my travels. I, I really enjoy rocks and water when they meet. So Cape Town, South Africa was amazing. I enjoyed Hong Kong. I love all the Adriatic coast. Italy's great. I have to say I had a great time. I mean, I'm talking to you, so I have to say this, of course. But, <laughs> but it's true. I had a great time. I spent about a week in Bulgaria. and We traveled the whole country. And that was, that was a great trip. Sofia is a lovely city. But I, I, I have to say, I think one of my favorite moments was catching the sunset in the Rila Mountains. You explored quite a bit. Next time you come, you have to see the Black Sea and go to the seven Rila Lakes. It's an amazing place. Yeah, Bulgaria is a great country. I highly recommend it. Bori, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, everyone listening, please go check out, go connect with Bori on LinkedIn. We've included her details down below in the show notes. Thank you for listening today, and until next time, take care of yourself. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, and remember, fortune favors the bold. Drum roll, please. P.S. If you want to find out about future-proofing your portfolio, head over to newflex.com. You're listening to a podcast company podcast. This was made by Podcast Syndicator, where we help you go from start to grow to making money with your podcast. Let us help you share your message and your voice with the world. Reach out now, Jason at PodcastSyndicator.com or Brett at PodcastSyndicator.com to find out more. Thank you for listening and do come back to hear nothing but the best podcasts.